not to throw you guys under the bus, but throw you under the bus. Shannon expressed frustration. Shannon expressed frustration that Matt Robarts has been on the show more than her. Do you remember a few weeks ago when this has to come out of like out of bitterness about this? Do you remember a few weeks ago we were booking guests and wasn't me not to throw you guys under the bus, but one of you two was like, I think Thomas was like, Ryan, you text JVL, Chris, you text Shannon, ask him to be on the show on the same day. And then whoever says yes, <laughs> we'll take. And somehow like JVL said yes first. No, Shannon and, said yes first. Oh, she did. <laughs> yes. But somehow we invited JVL on the show. That's what I didn't understand. I, thought, I don't either. Who's running who, this thing? Who was who was texting Shannon? One of you two was asking her. I I asked her. And so and I assumed yes. that she was going to be first. And then that's why I took so long scheduling JVL because I thought, oh, well, Shannon will be first since she said yes first. What? And the JVL will be after. I said, in fact, we should do both of them the same week. No, that's what I thought we were doing. I did, too. And then so no did, one. So did I. Who's running this? You, Who's steering said, this bus? You're like not to throw either of you under the bus, but this thing that like I didn't do. Let's I mean, kind of let's kind of muddy the waters here to make it seem like possibly uh, it was all three of us. I was just following directions. I don't know. Anyway, we should have Shannon on soon. Why? What did she say? She just expressed uh, like she expressed. You, I can't believe Matt Robarts. I think at premium. Matt Robarts has been on more times than I have. No. I guess she wasn't necessarily complaining. Maybe she was just observing. No, or maybe it She's is. She's like, thank she, God. Yeah. It, it's not that she wants to be on the show, but it's that she wants to be better than Matt. Yeah. Mm. Right? Well, like, that and if sense. that means she has to come on the show, <laughs> then, that's what then it takes. Yeah. Uh, best, uh, speaking of buses, best uh, bus movie has to be Speed, right? Oh, without a doubt. What are the other bus movies? <laughs> I mean, something Rosa Parks. Says I can't one. think of a single other bus movie. <laughs> I'm so. I'm just saying, there's got to be something where she's, but I can't think of one where it's like an actual. No one's told the story of Rosa Parks. Is that what you're telling me? No what? filmmaker has. Is Forrest Gump a bus movie? I mean, he has Jenny. That's a park bench movie. It's a park bench movie. I feel like the bus is a, is an undiscovered genre. The bus movie. Mm-hmm. How many speed movies? There are was there? that guy in Canada that like killed and ate like three people on a bus <laughs> in a standoff. There are plenty that of train movie. movies. Isn't Liam Neeson in a train movie? Oh, the best train movie movie is Unstoppable. Is that Liam Neeson? Denzel, uh, Chris Pine. Let me guess. They can't get the train started. Is they, that the premise? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> the trains. <laughs> it's the Unstoppable is about the train they can't get started. <laughs> isn't uh, isn't that movie? Uh, my little sunshine doesn't that take place in like a small bus? If you imagine that, my my little my, sunshine is my not a movie. Sunshine is a no. ride a little pony and little Miss Sunshine <laughs> no. crossover. Yeah, and that one. She she enters a pageant as Michael a Scott. Michael Scott is a pony who likes Proust. Yeah, and there's a pervy grandpa. Little Miss Sunshine, there were bus scenes in that. I don't think no, they rented a van that looked like a or they bought a van, yeah. Like it's like a Volkswagen micro bus, isn't that yeah. what those were? That's not a bus movie, that's a, a micro there, bus. There is a movie from 2016 called Bus Driver. Okay, uh, I don't recognize any of these people, I don't think this is any good. It's been uh, an actual bus driver, bus driver, <laughs> greater sign, taxi driver. Actually, you know what? I just watched a few weeks ago the movie Margaret. Is that a bus movie? 
I don't know what that no, is. No. It's an Anna Paquin movie. It has uh Oh, I'm interested. Uh the Hulk in it. Um and it has what's her face? Well, I can't remember her name. But she's in it for like do, do you cool, want me to, to spoil the movie? Cool Hulk? Like he's, he's Yeah, just, Cool like, Hulk, not Hulk. Edward Norton Hulk. It's not like uh, I ever going to watch this. Go on. He plays a bus driver, uh, and Anna Paquin is is shopping for a, a cowboy hat. She's a teenager. Uh, she's going to go on a, on a trip to a ranch with her dad. Um, can't find a cowboy hat, and she notices that the Hulk. What's the actor's name? Like <laughs> Mark. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. It's Mark, isn't it? Mark. Um, no. <laughs> this is going to be a. This is going to be a special doing? episode. Yeah, you found me. Is it Piper? Yeah, she said, I found this, you. And she this could off. be a, a fun game. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. This could Ruffalo. be a fun game of hide and seek with, with, uh, with dad. Yeah. Every five minutes, I found you. Showed you again. You're still you here. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. So he plays this bus driver. Um, and she uh, is trying to get his attention. Um, and he's like driving the bus. This is like the first 10 minutes of the movie. And he accidentally runs over and kills this woman. Anna Paquin like holds her as she's dying, this dying woman. And uh, the whole movie is like this coming of age thing with her feeling this guilt as because she just dis- she distracted the bus driver and she feels somewhat responsible for the death of the driver. And yet she testifies to the police that that the light was was green, that he didn't run a red light. Um, and then she feels guilt about that because she ultimately she feels guilt about. So it is a movie Wait, about Anna Paquin. By? I've it seen a... that movie. It's a movie about Anna Paquin coming of age on a bus. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the lady's name that I'm thinking of is crap. What's her name? Why isn't it here? Oh, Alison Janney. Like in, oh. in the credits, I'm like, Oh, Alison Janney's in this. She's in it for like three yeah, minutes. It's she gets run by over. Kenneth Lonergan. I've seen that because Matt Damon is in it too. Yes. He, he plays a teacher at, at the school. Yeah. Chris, if you just would have said the really tall lady, we would have gotten it. <laughs> the really tall lady. Okay. Uh, could I get a countdown? Should we do a Christopher Nolan style countdown? Does it involve time travel? Well, it involves crazy t- time. So, like, we're like skipping from three to seventeen to twenty-four. The protagonist uh, will meet the other. Will meet uh, the uh, the new Batman in the future. Um, they haven't met yet. You know, the training was in the future. So, like, it's like seven, twenty-seven, forty-two, one thousand ninety. Four, six, one, go. Maybe we'll uh, wait. Wait for, for Ryan. <laughs> now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality, and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the substandard expanded universe. Welcome to the SSEU podcast, the only podcast on the internet that was created as a fan podcast of another podcast. Maybe. Do you think that's true? Do you think that still is true? You don't think there are other fan podcasts of other podcasts? I'm dying. (laughs) You're doing okay there, Ryan? (laughs) I swallowed wrong. I swallowed wrong. I went to to answer the the question. I... I don't know. I've heard rumors that um, there's a This American Life expanded Should universe spinoff that, that's going to launch soon. Oh, it's I called this, this American Life, American Life. This American, American Life. Ryan, why don't you tell our audience what you're drinking today? Long, 
Longfellow. You get some Longfellow in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, Longfellow. Some uh, Long Branch, right? Long Branch, uh, uh, with, pitched, pitched by Maddie, Maddie McGonaghy, with the tagline: "The best of uh, the two cousins from Texas and two cousins from Kentucky met up, and they did a switcheroo, and they were kissing cousins and other stuff cousins." And Les made, Cousins Dangerous. They made a they made a whiskey. I don't want to know what's in that. Incest uh, whiskey. Okay. Unlike the shorter <laughs> ad, he just says incest whiskey. You can find SSEU podcast on podcast platforms near you and also on patreon.com forward slash SSEU pod. And on subway platforms. And on light rail and on high speed rail platforms. Mm. That is going to be our audience. Infrastructure. Uh, how have you guys been? It's been a while. I'm doing all right, Thomas. I have a bone to pick with friend of the show, Laura Mason. I oh. am afraid of elderly women, so I always <laughs> listen to them. And she said, do you remember when that ship got stuck in the Suez Canal? Right. She said, stock up on toilet paper. So I did. And there has been no toilet paper shortage. I have... 3,473 rolls of toilet paper in the house, and I'm afraid that they're going to expire. Like, this stuff doesn't last forever. Right. You don't I've know. Been rotating it and checking the expiration date, and I think I'm just going to have to to take some colon blow just to use up the toilet sure. paper. I, I was That's just probably faster than what I was going to say. I was going to say start eating a lot of bad food. and I could go through that in a week. I'm trying to remember what it was that made you run into the Chick-fil-A next door. Was that food poisoning? Uh, was that just bad food? Was that a night of after a night of drinking? No, no. no it was, was uh, I just had to go uh, after having that pizza place where you sort of build your own pizza. It's On called, a little uh, paper plate pizza. Yeah. Shit. What's it called? Uh, uh, fire oven. Fire, fire pizza. Red fire. fire. Pizza? Red fire, fire brick. Fire stove. Brick fire. Bricks. There's a brick anyway, in it. Well, I mean, the, the worst the part, of, Ferguson. The the worst part about it pizza is that system. the pizza wasn't even all that great. Either entering or exiting your body. Uh, unlike Chris, I actually want to thank a listener of the show. This week, the other day, I received this package in the mail. It is an entire box of Samoas. Uh, so thank you to Jan. I, she sent you a bunch of Pacific Islanders in a box? Uh, I also want to thank Jan. Um, she sent me a package as well. They didn't fit. Uh, I'm going to have to send them back. I think there's a receipt. I'm going to exchange them. They're size four diapers. Um, been out of size four diapers for a while. <laughs> I'll, I have to get the adult size usually, but the thought is what counts. So I'm going to be mixing Samoas and Scotch and we'll, we'll see what the result is. All right. Chris will send you some toilet paper. Chris, you have uh, had some time to uh, to think about ideas and innovations in your spare time. So wh mm. what do you have for us? Well, so I was thinking the other day, uh, you guys know what white knighting is, right? No. Kind do, of. Please, do explain. Yeah, so white knighting is 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 uh, an act of heroism in this modern Push world. White. So we, oh, never mind. So we kind of stand up for the right thing in public. Um, so everybody, well, I thought everybody knew what white knighting is, um, but I was thinking like a twist on that. We, how about, what do you guys think about Wayne knighting? Wayne knighting. Yeah. Uh, so, so not uh, white knighting, but Wayne knighting. So Wayne knight, the actor who played Newman from Jurassic park. 
Yeah, Jurassic Park. So Wayne Knighting, I I, I don't know exactly in, what it would be, but maybe like it would be like crashing your be, car in a rainstorm at Jurassic sure, Park. Sure, we'd be really clumsy. Um, <laughs> Lose your glasses. Be kind of mean to people for no reason. Um, Get blinded by that dinosaur with a frilly neck thing right. and then eat. Well, I feel like you're just saying Jurassic Park things now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know that much about Wayne Knight. I was just wondering if we could make this a thing. We can we can try to. I'll try to Wayne Knight on Twitter. Okay. I don't know. We'll do your best. What would Bob Knighting be? <laughs> well, at throwing chairs across the room. Scre- screaming at people at... Um, little uh, buffets that are they're working at the buffet if they if they speak to you you scream at them over the buffet where make sure the sneeze guard doesn't block anything you want to be screaming right directly over the food i mean i i feel like another part of bob knighting would be uh getting people to basically accept your awful Mm. behavior yeah if you could spin being a just terrible person as some kind of you know like hidden genius. Positive trait, yeah. yeah that would be Bob Knighting. I'm not an abusive alcoholic. <laughs> I'm just trying to push you to be better. That's right. It's 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 brilliant. It's seven dimensional chess. Yeah. It looks like I'm being an asshole, but in fact, there's there's strategy behind it. Yeah. So can I throw a curveball at you guys? Sure. We we already started to talk about sports here and how to motivate players. Can we can we just do the movie upfront? Let's do the movie up front. Yes, what I watched up front this week. For this week, we have watched the movie Daft Day. I'm sorry, Draft Day, uh, which has a 60% fresh rating from critics, a 65% rating from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, It was released in 2014 and is an American sports drama. Uh, It had a $25 million budget. It crushed the box office, pulling in $29 million. Well, what is this movie about, guys? I did a big boy review last time. Okay. Uh, This is a sports ball movie for people who don't like sports ball. Because if you know literally anything about football or the NFL draft, you will not like this movie. Because it won't seem like anything that you're familiar with. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. That's the fact how Griffin Newman described this movie is that like him not knowing anything about how sports works was like, oh, I guess this is like, this is kind of cool, I guess, if this is how sports (laughs) works. But it actually says on Rotten Tomatoes, they have like this small synopsis or recommendation or whatever. You know what it says? It says the following. This movie is pleasant viewing for sports fans and Kevin Costner buffs. And I'm like, mm, yeah, is, not for sports fans. This is like, someone who's never seen sports. Right. If 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 you'd like if to buff Kevin Costner, then I guess you are into this. If you're a sports fan, you might like it if you pretend like it's about something else. Yeah. <laughs> Like if like, yeah if like what it's like it's if it's about any of the ten subplots of the movie that yeah, they feel if forced it's about to cram into a relationship and they're right. like uh, like oh okay well they also made this he works a sports team in a different universe yeah like it's about fathers and sons and happiness and ultimately Kevin Costner looking like an idiot but secretly being a genius <laughs> yeah and, and and sons and mothers he's Bob, he's Bob Knighting. <laughs> all right so yeah so i just draft- took a drink that was bad timing on my part 
Friday is about Kevin Costner playing Sonny Weaver Jr., who is the general manager of the Cleveland football team. And yeah. we're not allowed uh, to say, we're not, this is like the Washington football team. We're not allowed to say <laughs> anymore. It's offensive to, to, to whom? To people who poop? Bathrooms. <laughs> it's offensive to uh, people from Cleveland, people who have to, have to live in that city. And the movie starts 24 hours out uh, from the no. beginning. No, no, it, it starts what, the morning. The morning of. No, the more, it, 12 hours out, yeah. right? Yeah. Apparently. Right? They had yeah. not discussed that the draft was coming. It was it was one of those years where they did the surprise draft where it was like you wake up and Roger Goodell sends you a text draft. Guess what? Drafts today because and that's what day you find out when you're picking because none of these teams have thought about at all what they're going to do. Not one bit. <laughs> like the like the the quote unquote rookie GM down in Jacksonville who apparently has never heard of the sport football before. <laughs> Look, I just got dragged in off the street. They said you have to be GM for the day. I'm doing you have my best. the you have the number seven pick. Go. Maybe it's like a Make a Wish Foundation. Just pull him in there. It, yeah, it's like I want to be uh, a GM before I die, and so they pick. I mean, why would you want to be a GM if you don't get to do the draft? So. <laughs> okay, so so anyway, so the movie is about Kevin Costner as Sonny Weaver Jr., but that's not where the movie starts. The movie starts in Seattle, right? Where yeah. the GM <laughs> who have the number one pick they've had months now to, and so for those non-sports ball fans who don't understand if you have the number one overall pick you spend months scrutinizing every single player you interview them you you give them the wonderlick test you work them out you like put them through whoa whoa slow down slow wonderlick test mm-hmm. yeah the wonderlick test i feel like we've discussed this before i don't think I, so i no, i am i have no memory of this but i want to know more it's there's no licking involved unfortunately <laughs> But a lot of wondering. Yeah. Interest decreasing. They it's a, it's supposed to test like how smart they are and how good at making decisions they are. Um, so everyone in this movie failed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an aptitude test. It's not like uh it's supposed to take away the biases of like grades and standardized tests. Like it's it's like how good of a decision maker are you? It's 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 a way it's of for the yeah, it's for like mostly they care about it with quarterbacks. Yeah. Um I think like your offensive tackle doesn't matter so much, but like yeah. It's it's a general. Like, I feel like we've like talked about this before. They say that Peyton Manning has gotten like the highest score that anybody's ever gotten on it. And who is and the like, like the the massively fat LSU quarterback that the Raiders took number one? Didn't he get like a uh, Jamarcus <laughs> Russell? Russell? Didn't he get like a super low score? Yeah, he did. <laughs> right, and so anyway, at the the Seattle office of the the Seattle not sound twelve twelve hours Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks twelve hours before the draft. They've got the number one pick, and the GM's like they're up at four fifteen West Coast time, they're, and they're gonna they're gonna move this pick. They're, and, they're like, look, I just found out we have the number one pick, <laughs> but I guess we should talk about if we're gonna trade it or not because we've got <laughs> we've got hours, we've got all these hours. Yeah. So they call Kevin Costner, and they're like, uh, he kind of trolls him a little bit, and then he's like, you suck. Your mom sucks. Your dead dad sucks. Your dad's dead. <laughs> hey, did you remember your dad said? Do you want to? Do you want to overpay for this pick now? 
Like, so we'll give you the number one overall pick for your number seven overall pick, next year's first round pick, and then the next year's third round pick. And also, I get to pee on your dad's ashes. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't forget that when he's making this call, he's eating pancakes. That That is a great foreshadowing right. of what happens. And he's actually eating. Like, that's the thing. Like, he's chewing his pancakes at, during the call. Like, he's like, oh, I'm just having my pancakes. And it's like, Oh, you're literally having, you're chewing into, why would you call me while you're chewing? <laughs> and so um, at the same time, we find out that uh, Costner is banging Jennifer Garner and she's pregnant and he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, he's apparently, <laughs> well, this is like. It's a big day for him. He's just found out that it's draft day. <laughs> he just found out it's draft day. He just found out his dad died last week. <laughs> And so he's like, I will consider uh, your your offer. And then what is it that makes him decide to take the offer? Is it that like the owner Jennifer says, Garn- make it the, oh, the owner says, make a big make splash a because it, so, the owner found out it's drafted <laughs> and we should have a talk. Yeah, because uh, so, so this is this is the part that I think is actually. I mean, the way that they depict it in the movie, like the owner taking Kevin Costner to an amusement park or something (laughs) on draft day, sitting down on a park bench and being like, we need to make a big splash today. We need to renew interest in the club. We need to whatever. Like, I can imagine that pressure exists. I don't think that is how it is conveyed. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Maybe months beforehand, you know. But hey, if it's a surprise draft, then maybe that day you go to an amusement park and have this conversation. And so he calls Seattle back. And Seattle, and he's like, we'll take, we'll take the deal. And Seattle's like, ooh, the price has gone up. It's now this year's first round pick, next year's first round pick, and the next year's first round pick. And so this is where, if you don't know anything about sports ball, this doesn't probably, you've probably like checked out at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's figure out a good comparison here. So like a, a first round pick is really nice in general. The higher the pick, the better. So, like, the number one overall pick would be, like, an Omega Seamaster watch or the yeah. Ocean Master or SeaWord, whatever it's called. The number seven pick, it's still good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sure. maybe, like, a vintage comic book. The whole idea behind this is that Kevin Costner has pressure on him to win now. So, next year's pick, next year's first-round pick, and certainly two years' pick, seems far off. So, like, value-wise, maybe that might be, like, a dinner at the Palm. And a future third-round pick, like, that in two years, a third-round pick is... It's, it's kind of a deal, like, because you want to have your job in two years, but it's not, like, it's easier to trade that away. So that's maybe, like, a, yeah, that, a personal no, no, no. pleasure. So no, it, it's, like, it's like if you're single uh, and you want to date someone, but you find out that they are in a committed relationship, maybe they are even engaged, but you mm. are holding out hope that they will actually split up. Mm, the wait out, yeah. That's the deal. That's the deal. And he, and... And Costner takes the deal. He wants to make a splash. So he trades for, he trades this year's first round pick, next, next year's first, first, round, first pick, round pick, and the next and year's the first year. round pick for the number one overall pick, only to suddenly discover that, that he doesn't want Bono, Bono's Callahan. The, the oh, consensus oh. for number one overall pick might not be, he's like, we should start doing research on this guy. You know, we, <laughs> we, might, just, not, we might not want this 32 year old man. <laughs> pretending to be in college. Here's the thing. There are two things here, right? So the first is what you just mentioned. Have they not scouted the consensus <laughs> first round pick? Do they not Clear, know who he clearly is? Clearly, they haven't. Clearly they, they just have found out that that like that's all hidden. They're it's not all- allowed to watch college football at all until draft day. 
And then they get just sent this information and they're like, all right, we need to, we need to look into Bo Callahan. And apparently the coaches on the team by uh, one of them's name's Jelly Donut. One of them's Tim Simons, the Hollywood handbook episode of where Tim Simons is on and he doesn't know where Hollywood handbook is. And they ask him to get inside his character in this movie and they're like asking what his motivation is and what kind of car he drives and he's trying to take it seriously they're just making fun of him it's pretty fun can i just say that i think i think that the draft room like those guys sitting around a computer scouting bo callahan looking up who he is dating and stuff like that where he goes to party that's the best scene in the movie. They are actually funny sitting around that table. Well, that's because Tim Simons is is a gem. So if you don't know who that is, that is Jonah on Veep. And he's unbelievably funny. He is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean. Might be the but only it's so good stupid. scene in the movie. It, but it's just, it's, it's just the idea that that's what coaches at an NFL team would be doing. I mean, sure. Do they know about that stuff? But when they're like told like, on draft day, like figure out like his weaknesses. And there's like, hey, did, just, trying, like, let's look into to... this. Like, did anyone, did his teammates go to his birthday party? Like, that's what it comes down to, right? Like, has anyone done this research? Who went to his birthday party? Kevin Costner's totally money balling it. He's like, <laughs> it's, it is totally undervalued. Yes. How many yeah. people you can get to go to a birthday party? Because think you can sell tickets to those birthday parties. That means more money for the team. But the thing is this. So he has this entire team suddenly trying to scout the number one draft pick. And then he has this one guy who sits in a closet and is like security manager. And he's the one trying to find out like the dirt on the birthday party and whatever. Who is that guy? He's so teams do have like a head of security who kind of is like a private investigator. Really? Who, That's the who thing? Will usually, they'll like they'll like look for dirt on their own guys and try to keep it out of the public. The security manager of teams is like here. They're usually not looking into. I mean, maybe they have guys that look into other teams, too, but they're usually like trying to get out ahead of stories that their own players will be in. I think the Patriots kind of like led the way in instituting that kind of guy. The okay. Patriots have like a legendary security guy who. He missed Aaron Hernandez, though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they missed the murder. The second thing, besides the fact that they haven't scouted him, is that when he makes this trade, he has absolutely no fucking idea if they will have salary cap space for him or not. <laughs> right. That's the other thing that was so awesome. He makes the trade, and then he's like, "Can we make it? Can, do we? Can we get that in under the cap?" And she's like, "Yeah." Let so me look at the numbers, and I can wait. Wait. Who is she? He asks. His Jennifer girlfriend, Garner. Jennifer Garner. His girlfriend, yeah. yeah. Who is his subordinates, and that's kosher. Like, you could totally date subordinates, right? Right. Yes, that's... Who are, like, 20 years younger than you? Yeah, that's fine. Totally fine. So, Jennifer Gardner, we find out, works for him, and he has not considered whether or not they can afford to sign the number one overall pick. <laughs> because this was before uh, there were, like, slotted salaries, I think. So, like, Matthew Stafford, like, had, like, a massive signing bonus. Yeah, because she says, and another probably, they're like hoping they can get $5.5 million, uh, for the signing bonus for him. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, um, T'Challa calls him and he's like, how'd you get this number? And so he's a he's a linebacker at... at, at uh, Ohio State, right? Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio State. Von Payback. He's got like a bunch of kids. In his... <laughs> Guys, this... 
He's an actual grown-up. He has kids. They're not his kids. They're, they're not his nephews. kids. They're, they're oh. his nephews, but he is the, right. the care, primary caregiver. So on Apparently. draft day, because yeah. it's a surprise draft day, he's like, hey, general manager, I got your number. Yeah, and I you gave tell it you, to me. <laughs> you've got to draft me because I need money to raise these kids. He <laughs> says, I can't fall. He's like, I've looked at the draft sheet and, and I'll fall to the late teens. I can't, I can't take late teens money. These kids must eat. They, their diet must be like Kobe beef um, or not Kobe beef. What's the really Wagyu? Like <laughs> he's like $30 million is not enough to feed these kids. Yeah. Between being drafted seven or being drafted 16, that, that's going to make or break it for his entire future. <laughs> Right. Like the, the movie's trying to pull your heartstrings to make you root for him. And you do root for him. And then we find out that there's this running back. So Terry Crews has a son uh, played by uh, that former Houston Texans, Arian Foster. It plays the, the running back who is a running back prospect who all he wants to do is play for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, Ray, Yen- because, Ray Jennings, because his dad is a Cleveland legend. So Cleveland has the number one overall pick and this, this caregiver middle linebacker from middle from, from Ohio state that they could pick. They've got the consensus number one overall pick that nobody's done research on from Wisconsin. And that's the other, like the the most unrealistic thing, honestly, about this movie (laughs) is that Wisconsin is producing a pro caliber quarterback. Be happy about the fact that your home state is so prominently featured in the movie. My, my home state is is Minnesota, Thomas. My I don't think Minnesota factors in. Have we? Do we have the lay of the land? Oh, and also he like not only did Sonny's father die, but he fired him. <laughs> his yeah. dad was the former coach of the Cleveland Browns, and Kevin Costner fired his dad the year before. Here's my question about this: How do we find out that? He fired his dad and that he passed away. Thomas, this movie was so forgettable. I, you okay. tell me. I don't remember. We find out because Kevin Costner is watching Sports Center and listening to Sports Talk Radio. Yes. How much do GMs actually watch Sports Center and listen to Sports Talk Radio and then make their decisions based on that? In this movie, this movie portrays as it movie portrays it clearly a lot because. Uh, the Seattle GM, minutes after trading away the number one overall pick, what happens outside his window? He's got a protest, a big-ass protest with signs and everything, and they want to fire his ass. <laughs> Which is a real thing, totally, that they, he looks out the window, and suddenly there's 50 people, and suddenly he's nervous for his job! Because he didn't make the splash with the number one overall pick. He traded it away. So that's the, kind of the way this movie is, is they try to spoon feed sports ball in a way that it doesn't actually happen. So so let, so we have introduced Kevin Costner as Sonny Weaver. We have the owner, Anthony Molina. Uh, and then we also had Vince Penn, played by Dennis Leary, the head coach. Uh, <laughs> is he happy about the, the trade? No, no. Things are not great, Bob. Uh, you you realize that Dennis Leary or Vince Penn and Kevin Costner they they don't really seem to get along. Vince Penn is there to win now, and throughout the entire movie, whenever he talks to anyone, the first thing he does is that he shoves his fist in their face and shows them his his ring, his Super Bowl well his Super Bowl ring, not just yeah. it's not his wedding ring. So th- there there is legit tension between the coach and the GM in most organizations. And it's it's kind of a good creative tension, Thomas, that the teams where prominent coaches get power over personnel, those teams generally don't do well. Like every coach wants to control personnel, 
but they're not necessarily good at evaluating talent in that way. It's a separate thing. And so I, that tension I actually can buy. And then the character that we haven't yet introduced is the quarterback of the Cleveland football team. He had a he had a good start to the previous season, but tore his ACL. Uh, apparently, is at the, on draft day. He's at the facility working out because he comes in and trashes Kevin Costner's office for the offense of trading trading for the number one overall pick, uh, assuming that he that his successor is going to be acquired. Throughout the day, they investigate Bo Callahan. They're trying to figure out who is this. First overall draft pick, the consensus number one that we have never heard of before. Uh, what are his weaknesses? And his, his scouting team tells him there are no weaknesses. He's great, whatever. But then, ah, ah, Vante Mac or T'Challa. But, wait, when okay, they okay. tell him there's no weaknesses, he goes through, like, <laughs> he says, they thought Joe Mantaning was too small. But or everybody, he says, everybody said Joe Montana was too small, but it didn't matter. They said John Elway threw the ball too hard. Everybody that's, said that's a concern every GM has. They're like, our quarterback has too strong of an that's arm. That's what I want to know. First of all, who said that John Elway threw the ball too hard? And it, But it turns out it didn't matter. Everybody said Peyton Manning couldn't throw the deep ball. Turns out it didn't matter. And it's like, all of them have their weakness, and it didn't matter. So let's find out what this guy's weakness is. Yeah. And then find out if it matters. Like it's a rule. You can't enter the NFL draft unless you have a weakness. It's right. a rule. Yeah. Did it, didn't he also mention like Andrew Luck in that? They said like he's that? the best pros- prospect since Andrew oh, Luck. Luck. Because yeah. Luck is probably a guy that few people thought, oh, what are his weaknesses? Because turns it didn't out really it's, seem it's his that, neck. <laughs> it turns out it's <laughs> if the offensive line just lets him get bashed around by like a rag doll for five years he's gonna quit and be like i'm not gonna do that anymore because, i don't want to like, die you, in the field do you see how high i scored on the wonder look test i'm making <laughs> the decision right now that i will die if i keep playing they are looking for this weakness when t'challa calls up kevin costner mm-hmm. and tells him what he tells watch him the tape watch he got sacked 12 times he got sacked 11 times all right, fine. I had that wrong, but he, he got sacked by me four times in one game. And then he's like, yeah. And he came back and won that game. He's like, yeah, but watch what happens after on the, the next play. Uh, and so and then- his weakness is that he was scared after he got sacked, right? Right. He was like, he's like, I've been sacked four times this game. I have a feeling <laughs> if, if I've learned anything from history and I am a student of history, <laughs> I might get sacked again this game. It's like they try to invent this weakness for Bo Callahan, which is like, I don't know if you get sacked four times in a game, maybe. Do you, you do. know what t- one of Tom Brady's greatest strengths are? Going down when he knows he's going to be sacked. <laughs> like Tom Brady doesn't take hard hits because yeah. if he's going to be sacked, he he will just like he'll he'll go down and cover himself up he's played a long time and been really great because that's one of the best things mm. he if he knows he's going to be hit he will not take a hard hit he's not going to stand there and you know try to make the play he's gonna like protect himself uh, and so it. so so then in the draft room they investigate this and kevin costner is like aha we have it. That's his weakness. Can I live with it? And also, he's an asshole because none of his teammates came to his birthday party. It gives Kevin Costner reason enough to undraft. Well, 
they are all on draft day. But in the evening when the draft has started, with the number one pick, what does Kevin Costner do? Picks his uh, he picks T'Challa number he one picks, overall. He picks. He's like, have you seen this? Have you seen? Have you seen Black Panther? Because. <laughs> I think we can, I've, I've you know, that, what suit, this guy that suit, that suit that he wears. I think we can fit that under our uniforms. We can get that in within the NFL restrictions. And he's like almost unstoppable. And he's got kids to take care of. So let's, right. we could have got him with the number seven overall pick. He called because he's worried about going 17. He, but we'll pick up, up with Michael, the number one overall he pick. He beats up Michael B. Jordan. Have you seen Without <laughs> Remorse? There's a scene where Michael B. Jordan takes his shirt off. And just rubs water all over his chest and tor- torso, and that's the scene. <laughs> and yeah, so, if Chadwick I- Boseman is great, is better than Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan is definitely better than Bo Callahan. Therefore, Chadwick Boseman is better than Chadwick, Chadwick yeah. Boseman. No, it's just it's it's all so dumb. So so with the number one pick, he 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 grabs this guy who no one else was considering drafting until. The end of the first round or right. whatever. He was the only one thinking about taking him seventh. Yes. Like, yeah. Why wasn't he trying to trade back to like 12 or 13 instead? That's right. what most teams do when they know they got their guy and they can get him later. They trade yeah. to go back. But here's the thing. Here, here is the really deep foreshadowing in this movie. In one of the very first scenes when Kevin Costner is in the kitchen. Mm. What does post he do? It. Puts a he post, it, post it. it. Yeah, puts that in his pocket. After he's drafted T'Challa, he, he flips it on the desk and uh, Dennis Leary grabs it and he reads and it says, Vonte Mack, no matter what. That's right. You forgot. Until you forgot. Day. Why did I trade for the number one overall pick? I was oh, supposed to take Vonte Mack, no matter what. This is why I leave myself notes so they don't forget. <laughs> so what happens after... He grabs Vontae Mack with the number one. He pick. gets all of his picks back by, yeah. Because what happens, like, um... well, because remember, protesters showed up in Seattle. <laughs> no, oh, wait, wait a <laughs> second. Where's my phone? So the best scene of the movie. The best scene of the movie. Okay. Um, look, it's we it's can't... a clown. It's it's a clown face with the word Tom on it. It's the Seattle general manager. It's a clown face and it's got a tie and it's got the sign tom on it and he goes out the window he looks out the window and he says does that look like me and it's, it's, the assistant coach goes yeah <laughs> well when it's a Why surprise you- when it's a surprise draft date you have to make decisions quickly <laughs> and there is a quick response right right so your fans show up if they don't like the trade that you made and they get there fast they've got they've got signs that say Bo. With an extra O, like a dash O. So they're booing you instead of Bo. (laughs) That's really fast. They made that sign. They clearly they had the bow sign. They went to the craft store and bought the paint and and they made the sign so they could protest the trading of the pick. So now the pressure's on Seattle to make a splash. Maybe the fans in Seattle are just really creative. And the GM is clearly sensitive to their desires. He is. Because that's what they were. That's the first thing he mentioned. Do you want to get crucified by our fans? (laughs) Was that guy the owner of Seattle? No, I think he was like the director or CEO or something. Okay. Yeah, because he was clearly the boss. But um, but but before Kevin Costner gets his picks back, he he has to try to get ahead of Seattle in the mm-hmm. draft ranking or uh, in the picks. So he has to trade for number six or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And in order to do that, he calls up the rookie GM down in Jacksonville, who. 
He has no clue what he's, he's never doing. been a GM before. He's never seen a football game before. <laughs> it's and, his first day as a human being. Right. It's his first day as a human being. He's a rookie human being. So he calls him up. He manages to grab pick number six in exchange for, I don't know, some number two like picks a, or something. A bag of chips and like yeah, have to future, take a gas. Future yeah. considerations, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it doesn't matter. But he has that pick. And he then calls up Seattle and he tells them, I want my picks back. You want Bo Callahan. You need (laughs) Bo Callahan. I I heard you've got a clown outside (laughs) your window (laughs) with a sign with your name on it outside your window. And that hurt your feelings. So I know give me my picks back and you can have the number six pick. As if the fans are going to be like, okay, good job. You know, now, now we think you're smart that you did this trade and then you got yelled at and then you switched back and, you know, got him lower. So during this, he gets his picks back and then he, he, he mutes the phone and he's like, okay, okay, guys, what else can we get? And he just grabs some random fucking player, a kicker or a punt returner or something. Yeah. Yeah. Does he even ask Jennifer Gardner if they have enough salary cap for that? No, apparently at that that point, the salary cap doesn't even matter anymore. (laughs) Like on draft day, like if it's during the before draft day, before the draft on draft day, salary cap matters during the draft. That's the window where the salary cap doesn't doesn't matter at all. So it's kind of silly that he cared about it earlier on. So you could take the one pick and the seven pick and it's just fine. And it's yeah. And then acquire all kinds of other people. Yeah. So, yeah, so he so, so he gets the the Cleve the second generation Cleveland running back with the seventh pick. So he gets sure. the guys he wants and keeps his picks and looks less like an idiot. So how does the movie end? The quarterback that Chris mentioned earlier, he's happy because he gets Brian to keep Drew. his starting job. Yeah, he gets to keep his job. Kevin Costner, he gets his number one pick, Vontae mm-hmm. Mack, no matter what. Plus the hometown son. Of, of the legend. Uh, he also decides... Aryan Nation al- Foster. Yep. <laughs> he also decides to have the baby and becomes a father. And he reconciles with the mother. So it's like, it's a happy ending. Everything works out for Kevin Costner. It's, yes. Yeah. Yep. And that, and that's like what the, the whole point of the movie is good feels with Kevin Costner. Here, here's the with, thing that we find... Good feels with Kevin Costner. Here's the thing that we find out in the movie is that the reason he fired his dad was because his mom asked him to because he had heart trouble and he was he like, would never fire his dad. He wouldn't have his dad was his dad's name deserved your goddamn reverence. He wouldn't have fired him unless his mom asked him to. So then why was why did he need reconciliation with his mom is my yeah, question, because yeah, wasn't he honoring good, her wishes by firing point, him? Because, yeah. Because, uh, like, his, apparently the only way he would live... Like, because the, the movie stressful. makes you think that he's worried about his mom being mad because he fired his dad. Yeah. But actually... And, like, somehow his ex-wife... Him. See, it's been a couple weeks since I've watched this, and it's totally forgettable. But, like, his ex-wife shows up and, like... It, it, like, you're given the impression that his, his mom kind of likes his ex-wife better than him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And definitely better than Jennifer Garner, who she doesn't really know about yet. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned Griffin Newman. Griffin. He he's he's such a weird Griffin is he's such a good actor for what he does. 
and uh, he's just used so weird. So they told so the director of this movie knew that he was from UCB, like the Upright Citizens Brigade, Brigade and from improv and stuff like that. And so they wanted him to be the comic relief of this uh, movie, but they kept wanting him to go bigger. They every every scene like they wanted him to do it bigger and crazier and more whiny. And he kept trying to say, but that's not really funny anymore. That's like, you know, in the 90s, like that's what, you know, people. But he's like he tried to tell him. And so then one one scene, he did like an ad lib line that was actually he thought worked well. And then the director came in and was like, no, we don't want any of your progressive UB, UCB shit in this. <laughs> that's what he said. The one time he tried to improv something. And so the reason uh, they hired him was to be the comedic relief, but they wanted him to be the comedic relief the way that they thought was funny. And what I thought was strange about it was that they call him the intern. Essentially, he is the GM's assistant. Like, right. He's like, important. Uh, he's the call. assistant. He's I'm the drafting. Drafting. I'm drafting. They're like, they're like, take this guy off the street, the let, intern. Let him intern. Give him this very this important is, job this, answering yes, phones this is for the general manager. The cell works on draft day. You find a, you have to find a person that doesn't have a job currently, and he has to do very important work for you. That's part of the NFL's outreach program. Yeah, it's so strange of how important he is. And they're like, he's an intern. It's for his first day, which we scheduled on. How were we supposed to know that the draft was going to be today? Well, I mean, Goodell woke up and decided he, it's draft woke, day. So. Goodell woke up and texted us, it's draft it's day. Draft day. So That's why that... they say draft day in the first 15 seconds of the movie. <laughs> so that everyone knows it's draft day. They're like, oh, that was for the crew that were working on the movie. They heard that and they're like, this is draft day? <laughs> so, so there are a number of reasons why this movie doesn't work. And maybe I have just put too much thought into this. <laughs> I, I, did, I did have a long train ride. When, when I watched the movie. First of all, not every movie needs a villain. And they are obviously trying to make the Seattle GM or right. whatever, like make As... them out to be the villain. Who's the real villain? Like the way that he treats the Jacksonville general manager just because he's new. We're going to please this guy. Not every... They Did say I... that twice. They like, that's the one thing that like, I heard like sports people talking about this and they're like, no general manager is ever like, Let's fleece him like because you can't. You can't like, like that's it like doesn't you can't. You can't. No, it's it's a fleece like long afterwards and decided by other yeah. people. Like you're just trying to do the best you can. And well, twice and, they're and like, like you want to have a good him. you want to have like a good relationship right. with your colleagues. Like you, you want to be known as being like a guy the, you can deal with. The, the Reds old general manager, Jim Bowden, is not allowed to be a general manager anymore because everybody said he he like he wore he wore snakeskin pants because he thought of himself like as like the guy who would cheat everybody. And everybody said he's just trying to screw you and he's an idiot. And like, why would him. you ever trade with him? Right. Like no exactly. one would. And, and that's what happened. And that's why he can't be a general manager anymore. There, there are no villains. It's not a fucking superhero movie where right. some people wear capes. <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, it would have been also, much better if everybody was just, you know, trying to do their best. Yeah. And, and they didn't know, you know. They also tried to make Bo Callahan not really a villain, but make him a bad egg or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's all it's all stupid because like he'd been sacked four times in a game. And then the next time he was kind of like, oh, shit, I'm going to get sacked. Again. <laughs> yeah, and is, I, is Diddy his agent? Yes. Diddy yeah, is his agent. Yeah. It's an interesting bit of casting. Yeah. 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 Because all of the like terrible agents, they're all white guys. <laughs> like, 
Okay. The, the second major reason why this movie doesn't work is that one of the things that it hinges on is that Kevin Costner, when he is debating, should I pick Bo Callahan because the, 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 the CEO, the owner of the team, uh, wants me to because the fans want me to, or or is this what I want to do? And he figures this out when talking with Jennifer Garner, is what I want to do is to build my own team. I want my own team, the Cleveland <laughs> to play here. Yeah, the Cleveland football team. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is that we find out that this is like his second year in charge. He has such a short tenure in Cleveland. What, when would he have had a chance to like build a team? And he keeps talking, oh, maybe it will be his third year or whatever. Like he said, no tenure. It's not his team yet. He, that's how it works in sports. He, he only gets his six dad, months at a time. His dad is a legendary coach. <laughs> so he's only the general. He's like, he's like Brian Colangelo. You like two drafts max. And then they're like, nope. Like, <laughs> like I development would, is quick, right? They, they always say that. Kevin Costner acted like he didn't know who Twitter was. I guarantee you, he had like five like uh, Twitter accounts that were his that he was replying. Sonny Weaver Jr. is a genius. <laughs> like he's cleaning up for Sam Hinkie's issues. <laughs> but, but Thomas is trying to say that like, yeah, like the, the fact that the, the movie tries to make you think he's going to get fired after two years is insane. Like right. it takes years to build a team. Like yeah, you have inherited, but it also makes it seem like the owner is insane, though. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Like why would the owner be expecting him to? It's really stupid that he's only been there for this is his second year, and he might yeah. get fired. Yeah, right. it's, like, it's like you yeah. inherited all these players from the previous administration. Like there, it takes a while to to assemble a winner. The, the writer and the director obviously do not know how sports work. Like this is this is true no. in hockey, in basketball, uh, in in football. It doesn't matter. You don't build a championship team in two years unless yeah. you start with a championship team. Right, right, right. They brought apparently an assistant coach from Dallas who who, you know, was the hot assistant coach and he has all kinds of pull because they're paying him $30 million over six years, <laughs> which like, and just like Dennis Leary. So Dennis Leary is a rookie head coach or no, he's had one year yeah, as a head coach because no. he was an assistant in Dallas. Oh, was he, he was an assistant, assistant when he got yes. his ring? Yes, he was an assistant oh. in Dallas. Right? He thinks he's the real deal, though. Yeah. Right, but he's like, yeah. he's like, so like, yeah. I know what I'm doing. The reason yeah. you brought me here, I could have gone anywhere because he was the hot assistant coach or the hot coordinator at the time. Like he's like Josh, Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> like, and and just like, like the just like the balls that like he knows what he's doing when he hasn't even been a head coach yet. <laughs> like, it was it was so weird. I have more things to say about this movie but we'll do that in afterglow for now transition chris headline headline you ready for this boys this comes from listener jan schenectady market crowd startled as man goes in and out of manhole (laughs) (laughs) which i feel like that headline could probably speak for itself but i'm gonna read just a little bit from the story um Someone's going in and out of someone's manhole. Uh, But let let me just read from the story. Everyone in the close area literally just stopped what they were doing and immediately turned. And when we turned, he was looking at everyone, making eye contact, and he was halfway in the hole. (laughs) And and slowly crawling his way down. And we all looked at each other and were like, did that really just happen? He's eating his lunch in a manhole. 
recalled Kozineski, owner of True Juice Cafe. So that's you, just a, a paragraph from the story of a man going slowly in and out of another man's manhole. So you guys need to hear the song from the Norm Macdonald record from 2001 called Manhole Inspector. <laughs> I believe Jan has inspected her son's manhole. Oh, well, I, I am actually fortunate enough to know what's meant with manhole. <laughs> Uh, what does the story explain why he went into the manhole? No, uh, the cops looked for him because uh, you know you, you're not supposed to just do this. You're not supposed to remove manholes covers and just go down in manholes. He went down there, and they, they the the cops were looking for him, and they found him. They didn't arrest him, but they're like, yeah, don't do that again. And I think they like they're like, is he living down there? They're not sure. Gonna, uh, read the story. I'm gonna put this link in the um... in the chat. Yeah. Should I should I play it for the listeners? Yeah, or? you can open the beginning of it. Yeah, you can play a little of it. It'll be fun. It'll uh, it makes um, <clears throat> command V. I'll do a little command V. There you go. Long time. <laughs> Text fantastic. No, oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. That one came from the heart. A man brought down by the love of a woman. What woman? The woman in the song text. Oh, yeah, in the song, sure. What's next? Well, the next song I'd like to record, if you don't mind, is uh, a song about the real heroes of America, the noble men who work with their backs, you know, not doctoring or lawyering, or just plain regular folk who make this country great. Well, that sounds like classic Tex Hooper, sir. What's it called? Manhole Inspector. Manhole Inspector. Fantastic. Manhole Inspector, Tex Hooper. Let's take one. Don't want to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a tax collector. Just want to do the thing that I love, and that's a manhole inspector. <laughs> Checking out the manholes. Yeah. Some fellas go to the racetrack, betting on the big trifecta. Ain't got time for no gambling, boys, because I'm a manhole inspector. Boss man, I'm putting in for overtime. Checking out the manholes. There's another one. Look at the rim on that one. <laughs> Don't got me a girlfriend, cause you know I just neglect her. I'm too busy working night and day as a manhole inspector. Even eating my lunch down in the manhole. Going down, chowing down, getting down, round around, chicka chicka down, now staying down, all around, make a sound downtown, bowing down, brown town, southbound to the man. Brown town. Some fellas talk to the ladies. Hey, Gabe. Yeah. Does this song strike you a little odd? No. Why would it strike me odd? Never mind. Well, let me see if I fit inside this sweet one. <laughs> oh. 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 There, I'm in. I'm in. Oh, it feels good. Just stay there till I get comfortable, okay? Now I can move. Oh, yeah, it's a tight fit. Just just relax. I'm not gonna hurt you. Oh, oh, Okay, did you hear that? What? I don't know. He just told the manhole to relax. I think he's talking about a man's ass. 
I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't want this song to be misconstrued, you know. I mean, the, the, the people that listen to country music, they're a traditional lot, you know, very conservative. You're just a little paranoid because you got a lot of money sunk into this. Yeah, you're probably right. Ladies, I don't got time for you. I don't think you got a manhole. <laughs> Remember earlier when he said he wanted to eat a manhole? I mean, why would you eat a manhole? I mean, I don't know, but I, I think he's just talking about manholes, like in the street. That's what the song's about. Yeah, I guess you're right. Manhole Inspector. So, where I thought I was being subtle, um, Norm just... <laughs> okay, all right. Transition. Do you remember when... I've got to remember when, Thomas. Do you remember Lena Dunham? Sadly, I do. So that's not to remember when, but you remember her? Off sc- famously off-screen producer. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so wait, like- wait, wait. Which is her show? It's not The Handmaid's Tale. It is Girls. Uh, girls. girls. Yes. Girls. Sorry. Yep. And you know, she wrote in her memoir about sexually abusing her sister. But she's a producer now of a bunch of different shows. Yeah. Oh, it, well, oh slow, she- slow down! Slow down! What did she write in her memoir? That she sexually abused her sister. Yeah, she did. But like, it was under the guise of just like education, ex- exploratory. Like she, you know, she's just. Ex- it's very yeah. weird. She's a weirdo. She's a massive weirdo. Yeah. Who Judd Apatow likes her, so she 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 has a big. comedy career. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no, slow down. Why is she still allowed in polite society if she literally Judd Apatow likes her? <laughs> did you miss that part? Sorry, move on, Chris. Sorry. Yeah. So, as I was, I don't remember what made me think of this, but this is kind of tangential to football because she went to some awards show. I forget what what you were going to say. University of Alabama. Um, It was like the Met Ball or something. And uh, sat at a, she thought she was really funny by wearing a tuxedo. You know what it was that reminded me of it is I was watching. I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm and there was like a lesbian who was like wearing a tuxedo. I'm like, hey, that's right. Remember when she did this? So she did this and she sat at a table at this fundraiser next to Odell Beckham Jr. Let me just read to you what she said. So she said, I attempted to grind my butt on Michael B. Jordan for an additional 20 minutes and then left right after you. She's talking about Amy Schumer. She said, I was sitting next to Odell Beckham Jr. And it was so amazing because it was like he looked at me and determined I was not the shape of a woman by his standards. He was like, that's a marshmallow. That's a child. That's a dog. It wasn't mean. He just seemed confused. The vibe was very much like, do I want to bleep it? Like, have sex with it? Is it wearing a, yep, it's wearing a tuxedo. I'm going back to my cell phone. It was like we were forced to be together and he was literally scrolling Instagram rather than having to look at a woman in a bow tie. And I was like, this should be called Metropolitan Museum of Getting Rejected by Athletes. I think it was after that that she she, she tweeted to where like she said, I'll try and dance myself onto Michael B. Jordan if I have the chance. Even when I'm a married grandma. I'm a red-blooded straight woman. And she eventually, she apologized to both Odell and Michael B. Jordan 
for like but you realize how tone deaf it was that like she thought it would be hilarious to dress like to dress in a tuxedo and then was like shocked that odell beckham jr was not like attracted to her didn't like sexually assault her basically (laughs) is what she expected to happen and it's like oh so you think like any rich black guy is just going like what I mean, it's not like Odell Beckham Jr. probably doesn't have a dozen women a night just throw, throw <laughs> themselves at him. He's probably like, good. He doesn't need Lena Dunham. <laughs> he, he does not. <laughs> He's probably just trying to be very polite and and like not. She's like, know, why is he not objectifying me? Why yeah. is he not objectifying me? This is insane. Because there are five Playboy models out in, in the in, lobby in, in, waiting in for him. That's when she really had to go away from like on screen. It's like I don't think she's been like in anything on screen since that. She's a. It's funny whenever I'm like watching a show and then I see Lena Dunham producer. Let me ask you this: Do you do you think do you find no? Uh, rephrasing: Do you think Odell Beckham Jr. is considered attractive? Well, probably. He's rich, so. <laughs> okay. Before we go, can you guys explain to me the Aaron Rodgers thing? He says he wants to be traded. To, uh, rumor, rumors say he wants to be traded from Green Bay. Okay. And, and explain he, it. He is, he is a famously miserable human being, and <laughs> uh, he's just angry. And he's, you know, he's ticked I, off I, at his I, I at don't his like this characterization that, like, every, like, dude who, like, cuts themselves off from their family is, like, the... <laughs> miserable one like because it happened to kobe bryant too and i just finished like two kobe bryant oh you're serious okay sorry no like and like everybody who like kobe bryant's dad was like a terrible guy and like just tried to take advantage of him over and over and over and his mom was very controlling as well and kobe bryant famously cut himself off from his family um you know at some point in his life for a while and like it's always it was always portrayed as oh kobe what a what a shitbag didn't like take care of them but like no his family his family was very toxic especially his dad like tried to like live off of kobe and constantly was trying to start new businesses off of kobe's name and get new deals off of kobe's name and not have to work he was and, he was LeVar Ball before LeVar Ball. He was. And except for like, yeah, it, it basically except for like Kobe was better than either of his two sons. And like, you know, so I don't I don't know what the Aaron Rodgers is deal is. I haven't read two books. I'm just on saying Aaron I, I, I watch plenty of him uh, on the football field, like his body language. He is he is just an unhappy person. And I'm sure he's very unpleasant to be around. And. Uh, he's made life hard for his teammates, and I'm, I'm not going to totally side with you. I don't know about it. Well, fine, because if it's, like if it's they based on like a... his teammates don't like say stuff, then they probably know him. I'm not going to like disagree with them. I think like their last eight first round draft picks have been on defense, and he's like, I want some offense. And then last year they <laughs> they draft a quarterback in the first right. round, which <laughs> doesn't do him any good. So uh, they've dug a hole with him. Yes, Thomas. How old is he now? I think 34? he's gonna. No, I think he's thirty-seven. Gonna be thirty-eight. Is he still like? Is he one of the Ugh. top quarterbacks in the league or no? Oh, I mean, yeah. he was last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but so, like that could change. That could, it, that know, could drop at any. Yeah. yeah. Once you get this old, he could, he could be could, the best. He could be the best player this year. He, 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 could, he could turn he could into be, Peyton Manning yeah. on the Broncos. Yeah. Like next year. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So we are starting to run out of time, but but before we go, there is one last thing I want to do. Ryan, can you tell us about Adam Neumann? <laughs> Adam Newman? However, uh, Ad, you would pronounce uh, that. Adam Avoid Newman, the, the the WeWork guy. Yes. Um, there's a sub beacon episode up about him this week. Um. Uh, I think it's like JVL probably like I finally I actually I listened to the sub beacon JVL basically like said everything I would have said about him um, even though I hadn't talked to him about it until after the episode came out and because I, I I haven't watched the documentary but I have read the book the billion dollar loser by Reeves Weideman uh, and I mostly read it just because Reeves Weideman is just such a great name and um, it, like you know he he was a huge Adam Newman was a huge fraud and I agree with JVL I don't see where everybody like this cult following JVL described him as Tony Robbins with a head injury <laughs> and I agree it seems like a slow a slower version of Tony Robbins <laughs> and but he developed this cult following he was he was he's a liar like he was an absolute fraud whether he committed fraud or not in the legal terms which he hasn't been charged so you could say no but he was lying about everything he said about the tech that he was developing for WeWork, which just did not exist and like elizabeth holmes is you know being charged i don't and i guess it's just because adam newman wasn't talking about like you know wasn't getting into HIPAA violations and into like, you know, medical procedures that he was just lying just to fleece people out of their money. And that apparently is not against the law. And so SoftBank, like they paid him $1.2 billion to leave the company because with Adam Newman at the company as 1.2 billion with a B, he's a billionaire. He is a billionaire. They paid him right? $1.2 to leave a company. Yes, because as as he says, and it's in the book, and I think JVL just I don't think he's read the book, but I think he read the Reeves Weidemann article about it. And just like Adam Newman told them, hey, right now, because that at a point we work was valued at forty seven billion dollars and it was dropping and dropping and dropping. And at a point it was at like 16 billion. And Adam Weidemann told uh, uh, Newman told SoftBank, look. Next week, it's going to be 12 billion. The week after that, it's going to be 9 billion. If I stay here, eventually it's going to go to zero. But if you, you know, if you make me go away at some point, maybe you can salvage 4 billion. And so that's what they did. They paid him $1.2 billion to resign because he had all the voting shares. Um, His wife was on the board. His wife is an insane person who just wanted to be. She's related to Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh, so she puts things up in she's, her. She's whatever. her cousin. She's Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. Like she, she's crazy and wanted like more control. Like she used WeWork to like do her uh, to become a social media, an Instagram influencer, and that's like all she cared about. It was it it he he like I don't understand the attraction to him like I didn't know much about him before the book which was already after what is you know billion dollar loser because he's a loser but he got paid a billion dollars to go away. It's amazing. That's 
how do we sign up for that job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what we want. Well, the SoftBank guy told him, like, basically, like, you're not being crazy enough. And he couldn't get because the vision fund, which the SoftBank guy, the Masa, the SoftBank guy runs the vision fund, which, you know, just gives does VC to people that they think are like revolutionary people. And so, like, if you if you just say the craziest shit, like you'll get more (laughs) money. Like, oh, you're a visionary. Yeah, right. (laughs) you're okay so i haven't listened to the episode yet but so it's probably all answered there but isn't we work essentially a middleman yeah like they're like it, okay so you've only destroyed gonna... your real estate for a while and right. and and yeah. like why would a middleman be like you have no assets how could you be va- if, well, valued he, at uh, right billion well, dollars because he kept saying he had this tech and he kept saying like he had this like all these like ideas that were less like you know ridiculous and you're exactly right that's all they were was just a middleman yeah like they didn't own the buildings they, they didn't even own the idea it's not like you can patent that idea of saying no. we're gonna rent from you and then rent to you right no <laughs> it was it's like sunny sunny kind of said like well there's value in this idea maybe like yeah, a, bil- a billion there is dollars value. Yeah. or something like that. But, but like if, if but, all the tenants just decided they weren't going to buy like like you're tied up in leases, which is which is not an asset. They, that's yeah. a cost. You know, that's a liability. But, yeah, they were burning like a billion dollars a month, yeah. like at, no, the, it, at it, the worst of it. It, it, yeah. it is a it is a typical example of a company where I would look at it. And if I own shares or whatever, I would look at it go up until you know, still at unreasonable yeah. level. I would just sell. fucking sell right. it all. I will. This is never going to last. This is not a viable business idea at uh, this rate. Speaking of which, Thomas, my Dogecoin is worth like $2,000 <laughs> right now. So I need to know when, at what point I put in $150 as a joke. And it's and now, now like, worth $2,000. It's now worth $2,000. It's just going to keep going up, mate. No worries. Really? Really? Like it'll never go down, huh? So it just will never keep it go. in forever. And on that note, uh, what? you know, watch Broad City, the show Broad City uh, on it's a Comedy Central show. It, they have like five seasons. It's over now. They do a great episode on like shared workspaces. It's so funny. That show is funny. If you like Search Party, you'll like Broad City. And on that note, we thank you for listening. We will be back again next week. Do subscribe on our Patreon at s at patreon.com forward slash pod. We will see you in Afterglow, where I have additional thoughts on that day. Oh, 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 oh,